Meet the Kennedys at Lassiter's Hall at the Waterhole. A cup of tea at Harold Sonia's nursery for a stroll. It's time to neighbors. CJ Kayton Let's get the neighbors. Hello, this is Neighbors. We are the Neighbors Recap Podcast. We have a little natter about the recent episodes that have aired on Australian screens of The Soap Neighbours, and we are at Aussie Pace, a couple of weeks now ahead of the UK, and I'm Vaya. I work in showbiz, but I have trouble suspending disbelief. I'm in Melbourne's PirateNet studios, connecting via Ned's laptop out the back of Harold's to CJ the Hot Mess Mum, also known as Catherine Jones. Hello. Hello, everyone. Nice to be with you tonight. I'm wondering, Vaya, when you talk about us catching up, like we've had some vaccine complications, let's call it. You know when on Facebook you used to say it's complicated in your relation, mm. relationship status? That's Australian vaccines. Totally. Well, this vaccine. Um, and maybe when we catch up to the UK neighbours is when actually we catch up, like as a country. Oh, my God, that will unlock the vaccine. Yeah, I think this is the problem. Like if Channel 5 had never done this, maybe everything would be okay. Yeah, like when you go back in time, when you time travel and you step on a butterfly or whatever. Yeah, like the guy from Back to the Future. Like imagine that's like Cheryl Stark. (laughs) If they hadn't killed Cheryl Stark. Yeah, that's it. That's it. COVID would never have happened. Mm. Oh, that's it. Doctor shopping she was doing with the drugs, remember? Mm. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. So CJ and I and Kate, all of Neighbours, We're in a bit of a pickle in locked down Melbourne because of the Delta Goodrum variant. And I'm about to uh, go back to work after a little hiatus. So reality check for me next week. So we we should get into some Neighbours Council business because there's a big item to discuss. Sweetie, it's just business. So firstly, before I discuss the big thing, new member to the Neighbours Council, our Facebook chat group, is Liz. Hey, Liz. With two Zs, which is I've never seen and I love. Maybe it's like Lizzo. Hey. Oh, yeah. Lizzo. You know, like, I toss my hair back. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Liz listens to the podcast in bed at night or around the house when doing chores, uh, usually listening in the day whenever I get a moment with a small child in the house and usually listens to the day it's released because I can't wait to hear the latest gossip. Oh, I was going to say, is that my mum, Liz? But she doesn't do chores, so. I was going to say she doesn't have two Zs. No, yes, true. (laughs) (laughs) The other one. I appreciate that Liz enjoys the gossip because we're not really a gossip podcast. I think she just means just what we're up to in our lives. That's our gossip. And, like, what's happening on Ramsey Street because there's always stuff there, people sleeping with their son-in-laws and stuff. Yeah. Bit of gossip, though, in Australian showbiz is that our TV awards, the Logies, have been cancelled for a second year in a row because of the resurgence of the Delta Goodrum variant. Mm. I'm sure she's got a Logie Delta, does she? Yeah, she definitely got most popular new talent, I think. Um, Well, I'm thrilled for us because it means the last Logies that existed were the ones we were at, CJ. Yeah, and I must say, like, you know, late at night when I'm, Remembering how things used to be. The photos of the Logies are probably like their peak crying for me in oh. in that kind of thing. Also, like we look 
the three of us look bloody amazing in that sunshine up in the Gold Coast. And we just, gorgeous. Yep. we're beaming, you know, because of the excitement. And the heat. Yeah, and the heat, <laughs> Tropical yeah. heat. Yeah, we've got a, a light glisten on our faces. And I'm wearing red lipstick and I think that's the last time I've worn red lipstick. I think it's the last time I wore lipstick. <laughs> it sucks for the Logies and the entertainment industry in Australia, but um, I was thinking maybe we, this is the time if someone wants to start a new awards ceremony. To rise up. An at-home one or something? Yeah, well, just and then it, they could start it at home but then it'll gain popularity in time to go live in person and then it'll gazump the Logies. Yeah, and then, you know, people can bring their Kmart plates and we'll see what happens. Oh, Google that. There's a new story. Now, CJ had a branding idea. CJ came to me with some brand enthusiasm because I was expressing some concern about how I'm going to fit my life into my life timetable in the coming weeks. So we've Come up with an idea for the rest of the month, CJ. Take yeah. it away. So we will be presenting a springtime in Melbourne series called Neighbours Unplugged. We're going to do an acoustic set with our guitars. Oh, gosh. We're, we're going to unplug our instruments. Well, we're not because we're going to leave them plugged in. <laughs> our instruments are our microphones. Um, and we are going to record the podcast as usual, but it will be a much more intimate experience for listeners. They'll be right with us at the time. We're just going to record live. You'll hear the theme song at the start and, you know, a song if, like, Kate demands it at the end. <laughs> but I think she will. Um, she'll have to pick an unplugged version, yeah. though. Well, also, I can put that, some of that stuff live. So what's going to happen is we record on a, a platform called Riverside and it lets you invite audience members. So we can, if people want to come and watch, they can, mm-hmm. although that means you'd be listening to the podcast twice in theory, because obviously you'll download it again, mm. release it. But we're going to record it as live, as if it's a live show. We're not going to edit out all the shenanigans that, well, it's usually just me stumbling and me figuring out where we are. Yeah. A kid waking up, a dog barking. Yeah. You'll be there in our lives. <laughs> all that's got to stay in. Yeah. And then... If you want to watch it, you can, but if not, we're just going to chop that up, top and tail it, and that'll be what's what you're listening to. Yeah. God, I hope I don't regret this. <laughs> springtime Neighbours Unplugged. I don't, I don't know about the springtime branding, but that'll be the essence of it. Yeah, well, it's spring here. <laughs> and other than the last few days, it's been very springy lately, hasn't it? Mm. Since yeah, the day. beautiful. Yeah, look, and with any hope... You know, the governments have made us some certain promises about what things will be like in a while and we're hoping to get back in recording in person one day. And so with any hope after Neighbours Unplugged, that will be the, you know, you can come with us on our picnics again. which will, Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. That was joyous last time. The best. Yeah. Picnic pods and car pods, oh. my new favourite things. Mm. But also this will allow Kate and CJ and I to probably all record together a bit more often mm. because usually they're a schmozzle to edit. But now I won't care. No. There's no editing. So we're going to have to be on our best behaviour uh, when we record. Yeah. Um, it's going to be like, you know, when comedians are filmed and they're saying something wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't be able to do that. A lot of the time, this is a little trick of the trade I hear if they're recording like a panel show and there's a comedian who he or she didn't like the joke that they just made, mm-hmm. they will swear a lot in oh. and around it so that they have to edit it. It's a little trick of the trade. We oh. won't be doing that. We won't, no, we won't be doing that. And so this, I'm sure you must have done lots of like open mic nights when you were a young lass. Yes, yes, lots. And there was a night called Purge Night 
where once a year, and they should bring this back because, look, it could stand to be brought back, but there was a night called Purge Night and the idea was that you saved your most wrong, un-PC material that you were, were not doing in front of people all year and you saved it for this one night of the year and then everyone unleashed oh. on the audience and it was like a packed crowd and everyone wanted to hear the wrong material. And my comedy partner and I won it one year. Oh, did you? I can't say what we did because it, it'll I'll probably get cancelled. But oh, we no, won it. can't get cancelled. <laughs> instant cancellation. My husband was telling me about when he judged a comedy competition, which was one of your first at Melbourne That's right. University. Yes, to yes. Yeah. He was and telling me mean, all about that, how he fought for you. And oh, he, I'm sure he didn't have to fight hard, Hamish. <laughs> no, I mean, who knows what you were up against. Um, but, Four um, white men. Yeah, well, that's that's the problem. You were in an establishment university and you were up yeah. against white men. Um, and I'm sure they, he wouldn't have been the only person fighting for you, of course. But, yeah, I mean, those were the days. And, like, this was the same time of, like, Hamish and Andy, who we've seen on Neighbours, I'm sure, yeah. haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, hey, hang on, CJ, did your husband remember what we won, my partner and I? Um, he didn't share that with me. Joe and I won. I don't know if there was a cash prize, but the main component I remember was a crumpler bag, like a satchel bag. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. we gave it to your husband. Oh, like, did you really? <laughs> yeah, because what, what is a duo going to do with a sat- with a bag? We're not going to share it. Um, so we just gave it to Hamish. Like, he still loves crumpler bags. <laughs> there you go. Like, he still loves them. Um, <laughs> And I remember That's because that he was bag. excited for us. He's like, oh, wow, oh. crumpler bag. And we just looked at him like... I think this belongs with you. (laughs) And I love them too. And you could get them like um, custom made in Ballarat and I thought about going and getting like this like offensively pink one and I never did. But it was like one of the things we bonded over. That's so weird. Now this is the sort of thing that I might cut out of the podcast. Or or Alex might. (laughs) Yeah, Alex might, our editor might. But this is the sort of thing that in in Unplugged will stay in. Whereas I'm like tidy it up, get it out, let's get to the point. So let us get to the point and jump to the week commencing August 30. We're going to save one little trimming for patreon.com slash neighbourspod. Patrons can hear us have a natter about Jesse and Tarage's special relationship, which has been cropping up for a while now, but we just haven't had room for it. And I want to make some room for it, this special bond that they have. They had a beautiful hug this week. Mm. The COVID filming permitted a gorgeous warm hug. And that looked like a really lovely moment. Did it? Yeah, I want to be hugged by Rebecca Almaloglu. Oh, She'd I, give a great hug. I want to be hugged by her. I'm not so sure about him. He'd be a bit of a bony hug, that one. Yeah, and I just, he's evil. Oh, yeah, you're really right on that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I go sure. back and forth. Yeah. On Mango Robbie, as I've decided his name is. Mango, well, KB decided he should be Boy Go Robbie. And I'm like, no, that doesn't. that's not a pun, but Mango Robbie. Um, my husband walked through the room and said, who's that? And I said, it's Margot Robbie's brother. And he's yeah, like, no. what does that mean? I'm like, it's Margot Robbie. That's, that's all that's you need. It. That's it. That's yeah. all you need. So you're doing business with you. Now, week of August 30, we'll cover off this little cliffhanger that we were left with, which was Rose going the pash attack to the toad mm-hmm. and him lingering for a few seconds too many in that kiss. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, he put his tongue in, let's be honest. (laughs) He went right in for it. Went in Rome, put the tongue in. Mm. And then he puts, kind of puts Mel on ice, like for later. He's like, well, look, to his credit, he marches straight to Melanie 
he says to Rose, like, we can't do this. What are you doing? Marches straight over to Melanie and says, look, Rose, put the moves on. She kissed me and I kissed her back. I think he said I didn't not kiss her. (laughs) (laughs) Nice lawyering, Tony. I didn't not. It's a legal defence. Yeah. That's the kind of action that got him putting all of his close friends in prison, Tony. <laughs> Poor Melanie's there. She's injured in hospital or she's come back. She's trying to rest on the on that uncomfortable Rebecca couch. Can I just ask a question about Melanie mm. Hospital? Mm. So she had like acid thrown in her eyes. Chilly. Chilly, okay. Yeah. And she was in hospital but like nothing to do with her eyes? Is that it? Um. I think the chili like made her lose her orientation for a second, causing her to trip and fall on the table and get concussed. Oh, so okay. I think it was like the head injury part. Yeah, yeah. So they've done some brain scans and, and see when she can get back yeah. on field. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. And then Tony tells her this and she's like, well, I want to go to my own house. See you later. Because he's like, well, I've got to talk to Rose. She's like, "What? why? What are you doing? And now mm. he's all torn. He's Natalie Imbruglia torn, Ned's mum. Oh, I'm like, oh, God. I know, Vaya, I knew before clicking on this link to record this podcast tonight, I knew you'd be like, good on him for telling her the truth. No, 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 not good on him. You don't go and tell your girlfriend when she's in hospital something mm. stressful. You're right. Actually, I think I'm, I've got residual concerns from when Ned had a moment with Sheila Canning number two and that's when I wanted him to tell Yashvi that, you know, there was some stuff going on. But I feel like I'm, I've held on to that because I think they could have talked through that. But now you're right, like especially if Toadie's not sure if he's into Rose or not, just maybe hold off till you are sure. Yeah, don't, like why are you coming to her and asking her to make the decision about who you want to be with? Because hmm. I'll make the decision, Toad. Mel's better off without you. Yeah, good on you. And yeah. I'd like it if Lucy Jurak was on the show more, so I'm happy for them to get be together. But also, especially because they're both behaving badly, they are. Yeah, they're they on. Deserve par. each other. Yeah, they're on par. But um, I just really felt like he he's asking to be mothered all the time by this woman. Oh yes, and he is yeah, and like we know who your mother is. It's Sue's. <laughs> Go yeah. to Sue's. <laughs> I mean, it might be Angie, but. In the street, it's Sue's. Oh my Go God. to her. I need, I need Ange and Melanie in a scene together. Oh I my need God. that. Now this, Mel is actually the first girlfriend that is some way like his mother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whereas Sonia, not at all. Dee, not at all. Lucy Jurek, not at all. Um, was there another one? There was, that boring woman from Canberra. Baudry. Baudry. Mel is the first person that would get on like a house and fire with his mother, don't you think? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's it would be like Sheila and Roxy and that moment where Coyle's like, oh, no, I'm going out with my gran. Oh, <laughs> it would yeah. Be the same moment. You think, like, maybe they'd be too similar to not get, they wouldn't get along at the start, but then they would? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I love that for them. I can't wait. Please stay together then. So watch this space. We're going to, oh, he's going to. Oh, we do have the. Decide. Um, but she just walks, Rose walks into his house while she's there. Yeah, well, Melanie's. Recovering. Oh, it's so awkward. It's cringeville. And she comes in all cutie and like Rose like, hey, how's it going? And then she's like, oh, shit, your girlfriend's here. And yeah, I mean, I'm not happy about 
the way that any of them are behaving except for Mel, basically. Mm, yeah. And because I know that like, I'm not ever going to click onto any of the official neighbours' Facebook chat because it's unmoderated, but I can tell everyone's going to be throwing shade on Melanie because she's not as, you know, symmetrical and polished as Rose and yeah. I won't have it. I won't oh, have it. yeah. And they're dressing on the show. Like Mel's character is not from Instagram anyway, seems not the actress is, you know, she's gorgeous and her character, I don't know, they're frumping her up a bit. She wears those turtlenecks and they do nothing for anyone. No. Except for Christy Thomas in the Babysitter's Club. Yeah, and um, what's her name with the cheese knife? She could wear anything. Oh, yeah, Scarlet. Yeah. Yeah. But even so, even Scarlet is not improved with a turtleneck. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> I have been thinking of getting one for Zoom so it can really differentiate between my neck and my face. You go for that, that Steve Jobs yeah. situation. Yeah, that's the only person it works on, Steve Jobs. So we leave them because I need to get to some big ticket items. But let's for a moment discuss Jesse and Therese for the patrons. Now, what we've just chatted to patrons about is that Jesse was kind of the key in smoothing over the situation at Lassiter's. And then we get a little tease that we're going to take a trip over to Goodwood Prison because Jesse and Therese are going to go visit Jay Quizzle in the Slammer, Julie Quill. And I am here for that. Kate's here for that. CJ, I know she's Mrs. Stephen Dennis, but are you here for that? Oh, I mean, it's fine to see my sister wife on TV. (laughs) (sighs) So big stuff happening at Lassiter's. This was such a satisfying payoff to Harlow having tantrums for weeks on end. It was. She was awful. And, I mean, look, you've talked about it on the podcast plenty, but she was such a brat. And this week, Therese called her that. She did. I mean, you've created this executive position specifically designed to give your granddaughter a leg up. Because she's worthy of the role. Well, then she should prove herself by gradually climbing up the company ladder just like everybody else. I actually don't think you've done Harlow any favours. She's already started behaving like an entitled brat. And this has come to a head. So Harlow got promoted to Ultimate Grand Supreme. Do you know what this job title actually is, CJ? I believe it was executive liaison, which Chloe was keen to point out that is her job. Do you know what that, does that sound like a real job to you? Well, liaison, it does sound like a real job, but that is an unfortunate characteristic of my life and the places I've worked. (laughs) But um, liaison basically means the go-between and like unpack stuff for people and bring people together. That's right. So I saw her have that coffee meeting with whoever, Rose, and Chloe's like, they're giving Harlow all the fun jobs. And I'm like, really? Okay. Yeah, that doesn't she, look fun, but okay. She's becoming a stakeholder manager, basically. <laughs> she's the dangerous liaison of Lassiter's. Yeah. And the staff's not happy about this because she was promoted due to nepotism because she's Paul's granddaughter, even though Harlow's like, but I'm so good at this job. I'm just, I'm, I, I don't need to learn anything. It's like, you oh. always need to learn something. But also nothing reeks more of nepotism than a title like that. <laughs> yeah, what could she have been given? From housekeeper, what could she have been promoted to that would have sounded a lot more kosher? Customer service representative. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And if she needed to work for her grandfather, which sounds fine, let's keep in mind he's terrible to work for. 
He's a bully. Yeah. He's got no bedside manner. So why not, if he's going to have an assistant, why not it be family that, like, has to love him? It has to put up with his shit. Yeah. So she could be an admin, an assistant, that kind of role under Paul. Because mm. we've, we've got to remember Chloe is under Therese and Paul doesn't have an assistant. And this would be, yeah, this would be great. I, I want that to happen and go, all right, well, you want to work here? Fine, work for granddad, literally. And then she's just driven spare every day. Yeah, that's, you know, what would be appropriate. But customer service, as in put her in a customer service role where she's customer facing, she gets to know the ins and outs of the hotel because she's meeting all of the people that frequent it and what they want and what they don't want. But as executive liaison, the rest of the staff is put out. Also because she's not doing her job effectively. So all this, I'm so good at it, blah, 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 blah. Well, the staff don't agree with that. Yeah, and we all know that Harlow has like a backstory where she probably can be quite empathetic in conversations. Like, you know, when she went and spoke to all the staff members about like she basically rang them up and said, hello, um, what's your pay rate and do you what do you do to uh, achieve those goals? <laughs> and then they were like, oh. And then at the end of like the survey she'd go, and what is your notice period? <laughs> like, and they will, they will start asking questions. She's like, no, I will not be taking questions at this time. No, it's just a survey. It means nothing. Like it was ridiculous. But um, everyone gets upset with her. So she's, as you're saying, she's not even good at liaising. No. She's terrible at it. And then Paul's like, Chloe, go sort them out. Go talk to the staff and deal with it. Yeah, so she does and Chloe, she hears that, the staff, and she's like, actually, I agree with everything they said. <laughs> Valid points, guys. So she rings up HR. Now, was this the same HR manager that came down to the um, beach? Yes, Praff is his name. Go. Yeah, yeah. So he's a recurring guest, mm. yeah. Not recurring enough to have his own office. Another dark day for Aaron's pro HR because he took this confidential meeting with Chloe in the lobby yeah, that's terrible, but also I love their, you know, attitude to work where everyone works from, you know, the floor. <laughs> it's hot desking, but there's yeah. no desk. It's hot ambience. I once had a marketing meeting with the marketing manager of um, Smancake Parlour <laughs> and um, we just had Smancakes together <laughs> for the meeting. I thought it was exciting. And she said, oh, we all just work from the um, restaurants. CJ, I once did a voiceover campaign for them and got paid in schmancake schmouches. <laughs> oh. God, I'd kill for a free schmancake. <laughs> oh, my God. That was a blast. <laughs> so this terrible HR meeting, he's listening to all of Chloe's concerns and he's like, well, we've got to escalate this. And she's like, no, no, I just wanted to springboard what I should do. Harlow overhears this. And takes it to G-Dad and next thing you know, HR's calling a meeting with, you know, the bosses and Chloe. And then Paul just yells at Chloe for raising the concern with HR. She's like, this is literally why we have HR, so that if I'm being mistreated or if I'm uncomfortable, I've got someone to talk to that's not the boss. Yeah. But Paul's problem is that he just thinks everyone that works for him is his you know, Gene, Paul, <laughs> and that they owe him more than like their salary or their job. They owe him like a right. Like he's like, I've given this to you. That's mm. his attitude to all of it. And in most cases that's true because of the nepotism that's going on mm. at Lasseter's. 
he looks at his granddaughter Harlow and says, I gave you this opportunity. And she's like, oh, no, I was really good at it. And he's like, nah, I gave it to you. <laughs> you weren't that good. And they're like, well, the staff's not happy. And he's like, well, tell them to get over it. It's like just because you say that, it doesn't mean it's a spell and that they will it will magically happen. Mm. And they don't even like her. Like I was just thinking, like, if the personalities were switched, well, Harlow and Chloe, like if a fun, you know, descendant of Paul came to work there and she was great and she got along with everyone and she was, you know, epivescent and all of those things, they probably would be striking. But she's yeah, been a break like, to everyone. Like Elle Robinson. People got along with her. Yeah. And Chloe, it actually did happen in a sense because Chloe says, well, you know, I've taken advantage of this. My husband promoted me while he worked here. But the difference is, yeah, people like hanging out with Chloe. She mm. seems to be good with people and fairness and enjoys her job and is experienced in the role now. So that's the difference. And that was brought up this week behind her back. Did you remember that? It was between um, Margot Robbie's brother and um, Harlow. Yeah. And she, she said, oh, didn't that happen with Chloe? Didn't she work here when her husband owned the place? And she's like, oh, and didn't that work out really badly and she had to do a course? Yeah, because um, Harlow's like, Ooh, Chloe doesn't know anything. I don't have to listen to her. And he's like, yeah, but she did that course. <laughs> Therefore, you should take a leaf out of her book. She did a three-day course. <laughs> I love Which it. Which is more than Harlow's doing for PD. Yeah. Harlow's obviously not going to university. That's another thing. Like, why can't she just go to university and stop she, trying no, to take no, Chloe's no, no, job? CJ, she says she's managing it all. Oh, well, I'm she's on top not. of it. I'm on top of all of it. No one is. No, no one, one ever is managing it all. She has not read a single chapter of any of her textbooks. No, you know what she is, and I used to get by with this sometimes too, just going to tutes and being outspoken. <laughs> just having a point of view. Like that, that'll that make a teacher think you're engaged until the, you know, assignment when you mm. actually do have to read everything. That's what Harlow's doing. Now, we need to get to this glorious moment where the staff strike. And it's great because we don't have to see them. They've already struck. Like they're on, they're on strike. Rebecca from housekeeping is leading the charge. Mm. Everyone's abandoned ship and there's no one around. And so who do the menial tasks fall to? So the core management ownership group, which is basically Paul, Trey's, Harlow. Chloe's not in. She's cracked it. Well, Chloe starts in and then has an amazing dummy spit where they're like, Chloe, you were supposed to sort this out. Please continue to sort this out. She's like, I don't have to listen to this shit. Yeah. I'm out, taking a five, which extends to the rest of the day. Yeah, for reasons which it would have been reasonable for her to have the day off anyway. She had like a bit of a crisis back home. And I do commend her. So she got triggered because Nicolette's engagement ring that she ordered for Chloe arrived in the mail. Yeah. And so she spiralled and quite sensibly asked Jane to call in sick for her for the rest of the day. Like I'm taking a mental health afternoon. Great. Good stuff. Which is always funny because when you actually need time off for a valid reason, it always feels like an inappropriate time. Yeah. And I love that she was like, oh, look, could you call? Because this is going to look like I've just really cracked it. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I loved about this, and I could not wait to get on the pod tonight and talk about, was I was reminded that these guys, Therese, Paul, etc. They had to get on the tools. <laughs> Therese was doing her hospital corners. She was directing people around. And I was I was waiting 
the posty pole to get behind that front desk and front desk it like no one had ever seen. Oh, yes. And just provide service to a first class level. But what did he do there? He became the bellhop. He had to load luggage onto the luggage racks. Which I don't think as, you know, a differently abled person he should have been doing that. But anyway, um, remember when Ned got knocked out by those things? <laughs> was it Ned? <laughs> no, um, it was Jesse. Oh, was it? Because Curtis, look, there's been a lot of luggage thrown around. Mm. I reckon Paul would have insisted. He's like, I can, look, even in the midst of a crisis, he'll still mansplain to the person below him. Like, I can push a luggage rack. That is true. But after that, he effed off home. Not before um, Roxy came along just, she, she and Kyle are coming to help. Oh, Kyle, he helps. He helps because he's the tramps open like 1pm till 3pm, two yeah. days a week. And Roxy just takes a pause to just film Paul for TikTok, <laughs> just doing menial labour. Look, the scenes he had back on the tools were worthy. But he spent the majority of the time in which his family was running the place on the phone dealing with his financial crisis. Oh, yeah. Therese is folding bloody bed sheets and he's, like, dealing with these really interestingly worded emails from the bank. It's like the bank knows he's not going to pay that back, don't they? <laughs> so he gets these emails like, did you know that your bill, your mortgage payment is due? And he's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no money. <laughs> Delete. Or like when it, your phone bill is due in a few days, I get yeah. sometimes. I'm like, thanks. You're like, oh, shit. Okay. But, thanks for that heads up. See, the thing is, is when you get a loan for a million dollars, they're not going to give it to you if you can't even make the first payment. <laughs> They can do maths. They've got a calculator built in. Yeah, they do. So I don't understand what they think. So his accountant's on him. Everyone's on him. So he's just taking liberties and he's taking breaks from the crisis to deal with this other crisis, which is obviously much bigger, but he doesn't want to tell anyone about that. I don't like to relate to Paul, but it sounds a little bit like me in a crisis. Like, I've just really got to take this phone call. Can you guys all just clean that up? <laughs> so he just yells at people and he's like whatever, and Therese and Paul go to have like a little meeting at, at the cafe to discuss. So they're, again, having a, quite a formal meeting just at a cafe in the complex in mm. the open. And this is the one we just heard from before where Therese calls it like it is. She's like, I don't care if she's your granddaughter. She hasn't earned the role. The hotel's staff's up in arms. Reverse the decision. I told you to reverse the decision and you pulled rank, so I'm pulling rank on you and telling you to demote Harlow. Now, he initially doesn't go for it, but then Therese says, well, I'm going to have to pull that loan that we're going to get to get us out of this. Oh. And I love how she goes from, like, staff from one day to a million dollars, by the way. But anyway, um, because she needs to get casual staff or whatever to cover this, you know, mess up. Mm. And immediately Paul's like, okay, I'll do whatever you want because (laughs) I can't be found out. He can't be found out, but someone finds out two days later. (laughs) Well, and because he tells them. (laughs) So. He's taken a leaf out of Carl's book. He can't can't keep his his tunes in his mouth. So the strike is resolved and Jesse words up Rebecca from housekeeping and everything's fine because Harlow is just straight back down to housekeeping. She's not even given a step up from housekeeping. She's not even given become like Rebecca's 2IC. (laughs) Well, you know, two points. 
you know how Jesse came over from the beach bar? Mm. I think move Harlow to another venue. That's the only thing that can be done. As I've said before, put her up on the pool deck because they never replaced Ned. They were going to call Ned in during the crisis. Like he's worked as the concierge. We'll get him back. I'm like he flamed out and like did a like goodbye cruel world to this Lasseter's hotel and there was a Ned-shaped hole through the wall. So I don't know what they thought he was going to be doing back there. They were desperate as. They would have gone for anyone. I mean, Kyle. They had Kyle doing (laughs) stuff. Um, But they should have moved Harlow in. Like, it's okay. Like, when Ned ran the hive, right, it's okay kind of for the nepotism to come in. From what we understand of the Lassiter's ecosystem, it's okay for the nepotism to come in and be on, like, a special project. So when Harlow was going to work on the Quill deal or something else. like And that, and it, it almost made sense when they were going to take her to work on the film festival at, at Flamingo Bar because she's a young person. Yeah. Or she just, was, like, bored by it. She's like, uh, I don't have any ideas. Yeah, or just, like, become the social media person or something, yeah. you know. Um, that's what young people do, isn't it? I don't know, something like that. The other thing is, is who is being the liaison this week? Jesse. Oh, yeah. That's who's the real liaison here. He's liaising with Therese. He's liaising with the staff. He's liaising with the management to get the industrial, like, he's... My God, if, if this whole thing is a quest for Margot Robbie's brother to get to middle management, I give up. Oh, my God. It's like Millsy all over again. He's going to start gassing people. <laughs> so that's a good point to shift over to the Branaka household. This is where everything's becoming unstuck for Paul because... David gets off the phone with Leo and he finds out that Paul's borrowed money from his son. I love that, by the way, for Leo, how he was just like, Paul's like, hey, can I borrow money but, like, let's not tell anyone. And Leo's like, yeah, no worries. Cool, I'm just going to tell my twin brother. Ding, dong, ding, dong, ding, dong. Hey. (laughs) You'll never guess what Dad just asked me for. (laughs) He's like, you know Dad with all the money? Well, guess what? (laughs) I mean, who wouldn't tell? Straight away I would be like. Mm. Anyway. And David's spidey senses are tingling. Yeah. David doesn't need this right now. He's like, can you just not right now? Like I'm not getting enough sleep. There's a rash. My husband keeps bringing up like weird illnesses on my kid and it's just like I can't. But, I'm my God, I'm loving all the little breadcrumbs we're getting, the little clues that baby Phyla is not the real Isla because there's this one amazing scene which was so creepy which had – Darren and Jane and Chloe all singing Incy Wincy Spider mm. and the, we had the view of the camera from the baby's POV up to the foursome and it was really disturbing but it was meant to be, it was played for laughs but what I got from it was that baby Isla, Phyla, is reacting to the singing and it, that's like a developmental milestone that this newborn probably shouldn't be hitting by now. Oh, That's what I've got. And, like, also all of these little tidbits we're getting, like, that part is also super normal. Like, you remember when you got a little baby, you're like, what was that noise? And you and your, you know, co-parents sit there and go, oh, oh, my God, what could that be? And you Google it and whatever. So I'm keen to find out which one of these little red hearings was a real, you know, thing that it's a filer. Yeah. So David straight up is like, I don't have time for this, Dad. What are you playing at? Why do you owe money? Why don't you have money? You're Paul Robinson. You should have money. Mm. That's your whole thing, Dad. Like what's the deal? And he just sings. He just says, 
well, he firstly says, I need to talk to you outside. He's on the Barbie. He's on. He, see, he picks <laughs> up the tools for the Barbie, doesn't he? He is real like grassroots Paul this week. Yeah, and I must say, like, my husband is not one to get on the tools, but give him a barbecue and he's all for it. So, <laughs> I mean, I was pretty excited by this. Um, Paul, like he was in a Bunnings catalogue. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was all for it. <laughs> now, as we know, Paul bought a baby, but Paul describes it to David in this way. A million dollars. What could you have possibly spent that on? I gave it to Nicolette. What? I gave it to Nicolette. When you saw her in Canberra? Yes. Yes, because I wanted to make sure that after she handed over Isla, she was never going to bother us again. He said he pays Nicolette to stay away. That's painting a rosier picture of the situation, Paul. But also a terrible painting. Because I don't know why he didn't just say she wouldn't give me the baby and so I offered her money and then she did. Yeah, I think he was trying to say that, but it didn't come out that way. Because that makes him the hero and makes her terrible because she's traded her baby for money. And the best part about this is that David wants to arc up about it. Like, how dare you? And then Paul immediately reminds David, you were acting insufferable. (laughs) We were all sick of your nonsense You were sick of your own nonsense and even David was like, yeah, you're right, like, thanks for getting my kid. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, and, I mean, like, I think at this point David's like, any cost is worth it for me to have my child. Like, he's right in that zone of he lost his child and then he got his child back. So I can't imagine the turmoil that he's like poor mind has been through in the last, you know, what's it been, month? Yeah. So... Why would he look at that situation and think you did the wrong thing? Because he's like, I have my baby because of it. Mm. So he wants to, like you're saying, like his immediate reaction is, oh, my dad's such an idiot. But then he's like, oh, but Isla, you know? Oh, my God. He is going to blow a gasket. Yeah. And it's not pretty when he he does because he's so, like, beautiful and lovely. And then when he he gets really angry, it's like when he hit Leo the other week. (laughs) It's stressful. I just picture when all this uh, comes out, I feel like the whole family is going to walk out on him and he's going to be out on his own again wearing that baseball cap, working at the nursery. Oh, God. Remember when he worked at the nursery and he did that yeah. seminar only to, um, what's her name? <laughs> Steph. <laughs> That's got to have been the first saddest B yeah. situation, doesn't it? Him, not her, yeah. Yeah. No, but that um, whole situation. That whole situation. <laughs> yeah. Now David has to keep this huge secret from Aaron and everyone and Jane and Chloe because it also gives extra clues as to why Nicolette hasn't contacted her family. Because mm, he um, paid her not to. Yeah, <laughs> even though it's just it, this plan has an expiration date and these men, like women would know there is no way we're not having conversations. But no. these blokes are like, eh, no one will come back and not, Nicolette won't talk to anyone. See, we know that there's, like, two babies and, like, you know, there's much more to this story. But, like, I don't see why she, like, in my mind I'm like, she was probably always going to give them the baby. Yeah, she was. They just um, treated her really badly right before. And David rightly calls out Paul and he's like, did you intimidate her? Did you force her to give you money, to take your money and, you know, give the baby? And Paul's like, oh, come on, I could never intimidate Nicolette. I'm like, excuse me, do we need to go back to the tape? When you were 
really menacing to her in during her fragile emotional state and tearing her down. Yeah. I mean, Paul is not afraid of anything <laughs> except for being found out by the people that love him. <laughs> that and is he, the only thing. And he convinces David, like, oh, she she mistreated everyone here. And I look around and David's like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, hang on. Okay, she was a difficult surrogate for you guys, but also she had rights, so that's on you. And she had a rocky relationship with Chloe, but she was always very supportive of Chloe. She had a rocky relationship with her mother, but she mended it. So really, she had a problem with you, Paul. That's Mm. it. Well, it's like that, you know, women and children and seen and not heard kind of thing. Like she was a difficult woman because she spoke, you know. Oh, Team Nicolette, come back here and fuck shit up. Hurry up. Oh, she's going to be huge. Although Olivia, mayor of the council, posted, I haven't watched it yet, but Nicolette's had a like, not Nicolette, the actor, Mm. has had like some stuff to say about the Queensland border. Because they allowed football players' spouses to come into the state of Queensland and Mm. Charlotte's been trying to get in there to visit with her sick mother and hasn't been allowed to. Oh, really? Is she one of those people in that awful circumstance? Yeah, her mum's. That's terrible, yeah. Yeah, her mum's battling breast cancer. Yeah, that's terrible. And you do hear, yeah, wags and, and even just the football players themselves being able to go, really. Yeah, like what, I don't understand why sport is so high up on the totem pole. Meh, money. Um, but, yeah, I, part of me was like, is she trying to get back to Melbourne to film? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the real story? I love that, like, you know, there's a terrible cancer situation and all. I'm like, is she going to come back to Ramsey Street? Yeah, like, where's Nicoletta at in all this? <laughs> yeah, well, I hadn't watched the video yet. I'd only seen the still. But, yeah, um, yeah so, but look, she's got to go back. And, like, you mentioned earlier that we're going to be going to Neighbours Unplugged and we've been talking about, you know, what to do with the podcast for this, like, season and in our lives. Yeah, season. I was going to say what YouTubers, YouTuber moms say, this season of life. Yeah, a season or a reason. That's why people come into your life. And we were talking about that. And, like, one thing is, is, like, we can't take a season break because we don't know when Nicolette's going to be back. back. That was my, yeah, I'm like, I can't pause. I did want to say to you on that private chat that I'm now putting in our podcast that it could be 15 years, (laughs) Faye. We don't know. (laughs) My son is, um... You know, he's about to start his senior years of school. He's like, Mum, can you help me with my assignments? No, I can't stop podcasting because I don't know what Nicolette's <laughs> going to reveal about the baby. I don't know when Nicolette's going to come back. <laughs> baby Coos, don't you get it? <laughs> yeah, so we don't know. But I do feel like we're going to get something in this year. Yeah. yeah. Please, we need it. We need it, neighbours. So yeah. let, shall we do citizen or shitizen? Let's. See, did you have one or shall I go? You can go first. Okay. Oh, citizen Chloe for calling out bad behaviour, bad management, doing the right thing, going to HR, and when that blows up in her face, just rage quitting and then taking a self-care day. Yes, Chloe. Yes. Excellent timing. Um, so I'm going to go with citizen for Jane Harris. She is just running all over the place, just unpacking her feelings. Like when she's feeling down, she's like, I'm going to go and see baby Isla and I'm going to like measure it to a time which is appropriate for my feelings. And then she's going to, you know, unpack things with Chloe. And I just, you know, I really like that for her because I think she's had a lot of repressed times in her life with her terrible family 
mm. like the grandmother who I can't remember right yeah, now. Mrs. That was, Mangle. Yeah, the, you know, the homophobic situation yeah. that was going on there. And, and so I'm really glad that she's being open about her feelings. So anyway, my tip is something's going to happen during Neighbours Unplugged. Okay, I hope so. That'll justify continuing it. <laughs> yeah, I do not know anything. Like I've not no. logged into some spoiler world, but I just feel like the tensions are rising around this, like we're getting all of these little tidbits that Isla might not be Isla and so forth. So, you know, stay tuned. Let's all stay together. And imagine if she actually comes back like night two of the um, the sink. Oh, yeah, December. I would yeah. love that. Oh, my God. We should watch it. I'll watch it live at 2am with the UK if that's what happens. Yeah. So will I. Yeah. Like even if it's a work night, yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. We're doing yeah. it. Call it Take a Mental Health Afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're going to have to think up a cool brand name for that too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thanks, CJ. What a treat. Uh, we, we were going to do it in a park because a few we've had some good feedback on our um, buggy cast, as it's been called, when I put the recorder into the pram and we did some laps of the oval. I love that. We'll do it again it, one day. We will. It's been raining, guys, so we, we can't, right? And um, I wear glasses and it's hard for me to walk and mask. <laughs> Don't um, walk and mask. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to sort it out. I watched a, a state government video about how to not fog up your glasses and I'm, I'm going to try things again. Oh, that's great marketing from them. Yeah. What's on their FAQ? <laughs> well, stay safe. Check our episode notes for our socials. And CJ, take care. Thanks. See you, everyone. Take care. See you next time. Next week for Neighbours Unplugged. Yeah. Get intimate. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) 